This is Weirdly Enough, your regular podcast for strange stories and amazing facts. Delivered straight to your favorite podcast directory and at weirdlyenough.com. Now, here are your hosts, Andy and Len. That's right, you're tuned to the Weirdly Enough podcast. I'm Andy Kane. And I'm Len Johnson. Hello, how are you? You well? I'm going to have to jiggle with the levels here. I'm going to uh, jiggle with your volume and, and pump it up a little bit. That should be good now. Uh, no, we, we haven't been around for a long time. Uh, I took a little bit sick for a while and uh, we were just out of action there. Uh, we we were supposed to be doing right through uh, January, February, March, April, May. And then, you know, we always take a break in the summer. Yeah. And unfortunately, we've hit May. Uh, so we've hit... About the end of uh, of the season. Now, what any professional operation would do is then say, well, we'll continue through <laughs> the summer. But no, we're going to take our summer break anyway. So we've had a big break. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do two episodes and then we're going to take another big break. Why not? You know, why not? We earn so much doing this. We're, we're like uh, the Tucker Carlson of... <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully we won't get cancelled like Tucker yeah. does. yeah. Oh dear! So it is. Uh, it is great to uh, to be back. Um, actually, just before I took ill, I, I had a, a trip to Liverpool. So in the second part of today's episode, we're going to be talking about weird coincidences to do with the Beatles. Nice. Yes. Uh, but that's all to come a little bit later on. Also, if you download the bite size episodes that come out on a Friday, you'll get uh, you get that Beatle one specifically on a Friday. But today we're talking about the Schaefer mystery. Is that am I saying that right? Or Schaefer? It's the Schaefer mystery. Schaefer, right, okay. Who was Schaefer then? Uh do you want to crack on and tell us a bit about this? Indeed. Um we've got a good one here for the penultimate episode of season four. Okay. Yeah. Um basically we're bringing together um do you remember that we talked about the Hollow Earth? Yes, yeah. Uh-huh. And the very first, I think it was one of the, the very first episodes we did actually. Okay. Um yeah, it was episode one, season one. Right. Weirdly enough, yeah. actually it was uh-huh. the Hollow Earth episode. Um and basically, we're bringing that together, and also the notion of the outsider artist. Oh, the outsider was Shaver an outsider artist then? Bit of an outsider artist. Um, is an outsider artist the same as a naive artist? No, they're, they're sort of in the same kind of wheelhouse, more or less. Like you know, I've often thought about becoming a naive artist in the style of yeah. Matchstick Man and Matchstick Cats and Dogs guy. Oh yes, kind of doing it like modern. You know, you could have people standing outside a job center, or you know, a Weller spoons, or you know, that was Laurie, wasn't it? Laurie, yeah, that was Laurie. I don't um, know because I, I I knew a gallery owner once, and she had exhibitions of of outs, uh, of um, naive artists. Um, I think so, some that had been um, in, in jail during the troubles. Yes, um, and. Had had turned to art then and had some quite successful careers, uh, from from the art uh, and some of it was quite striking. I think it could be said, but it was interesting because uh, this artist was from the Protestant side of the yeah yeah, but the gallery owners were uh, were Catholics and it was interesting that they worked together and yeah strange story but anyway we're not here to talk about that you see art can bring people together yes uh-huh. anyway um, we'll start with the facts at the start Richard Sharp Shaver was born on the 8th of October 1907 in Berwick Pennsylvania and he was a writer outsider artist and creator of what came to be known as the Shaver Mystery 
1943, the editor of Amazing Stories magazine, Ray Palmer, received a letter from Shaver. Shaver claimed they discovered an ancient language he called Mantong. Shaver was claiming that Mantong was the original human language. <laughs> right. In Mantong, each sound has a hidden meaning. And by applying the same formula to any of the languages of the world, you could find hidden meanings to words and phrases. Ray Palmer tried this out with different words and realised that he was right. Right. Um, intrigued, of course, in the Bible, there's the the Tower of Babel, where everybody yes. talked the same language, and yes. God didn't like that, so he scattered everyone yes. and gave them all different languages. Yes. So... Perhaps. And yeah. there's, they say there's something in that. Because I mean, have you ever heard of um, Indo-European? Sort of, yeah. Well, was that a language? Yeah. Well, there's what they call the Indo-European family of languages. Okay. And every language from Irish Gaelic in the far west all the way through English, German, French, Italian, Russian and some of the Indian languages yeah. uh-huh. all have common roots. And common structures, and they're oh, all related wow. to each other, you know. Mm. Um, and they reckon that there was a tribe, you know, of the end of the Europeans, of which the guys that done the Kurgans. The Kurgans? The Kurgans were part of that. Right, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, because if you remember Highlander. Yeah, the film. Do you remember the Kurgan? The Kurgan, yeah. He mm-hmm. was named after, there's these like burial mounds in Russia. Right. Called uh-huh. Kurgans. Okay. And they were done by these end of the European guys. Yeah. Um, so it's all, the record all comes from an ancient source, so there may be something on this. Um, now, Shaver sent back a 10,000-word document entitled A Warning to Future Man. Oh. This was the story of an ancient advanced race of aliens who arrived on Earth 12,000 years ago and had dug out vast caverns deep underground, mm. the inner Earth again. Right. Uh-huh. All okay. comes back to the inner Earth, where they live until bursts of radiation from the sun forcing them to abandon Earth for other planets. Mm. And these agents had left some of their children behind on Earth. So it's right. like the ancient aliens. Yeah. Uh-huh. Kind of idea. These abandoned offspring had split over time into two groups. Most evolved over millennia into a race of savage and statistic, Deros. Deros. Which is short for detrimental robots. Robots? Yeah. Right. Yeah. A minority had evolved into the more noble, more human-like Teros. Sounds a bit like Davros out of... Um does away, but uh, Doctor Who. It does away, but doesn't it? Mm. Uh, it's very like it generally HG was in the Time Machine. Yes, uh-huh. and he had the Morlocks, and I were like preying upon the innocent Eloy uh-huh. that loved to sort of what's the word idyllic lifestyle. Yeah, on, uh-huh. you know, just eating fruit and just chilling out and whatnot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and these big green fellows used to come up and kidnap and eat them and not like you know. It's uh, I always think of Sheldon Cooper on yes. Big Bang going, "No, no, Morlocks." <laughs> exactly, exactly. Warlocks, is it, or Orlocks? Morlocks. 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 Yeah. Now, these Deros were still living a subterranean existence to this day in these ancient cavern cities, passing the time abducting folk from the surface. Right. And, well, we'll not go into the details, but basically subjected them to various unpleasantness right. before they ate them. Um, the Deros used ray machinery that had been left behind by the ancient aliens to spy on the surface dwellers mm. and project tormenting thoughts and voices into their minds. So if you ever have unpleasant thoughts and feelings mm. and visions, you can blame these little fellas. It's felt like there's a gorilla song about the the mon- monkey mountain or something. Mm. And it's about these people live peaceful lives and then the... But it's supposed to be, you know... 
the new and the the armies coming and invading them and stuff. Um, but yeah, interesting. A lot right. of truths are revealed to the masses for you. That's okay. all I'll say. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say on that. Um, yes, yeah, so they can project tormenting thoughts and voices. Daros are to blame for all the problems of the world. Okay. Um, they're the source of disease, accidents, airplane crashes, and natural disasters. Um, sometimes they'd emerge from their subterranean caverns in the hollow earth to take to the skies in spaceships or rockets. That's where UFOs come from. Hmm. Um, Shaver went on to make the astonishing claim that he'd acquired this knowledge of the Daros firsthand when they'd imprisoned him in their underground caverns for several years. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, now, there's something very annoying. What's this? We met earlier on in a popular cafe chain. I yes. know this is off off topic. No, not at all. There we've got. I've got an email. How was your coffee? Yes, I Tell know. You what? Do, do you not find that's quite? It's quite intrusive. Get bent. Yeah, you know, it's quite intrusive. Yeah, and yeah. I've noticed. I've had conversations with people, and then lo and behold, yeah. it all pops <laughs> up on your fades. Ah, uh, yeah. As they call them, these fades. Uh-huh. Uh, now Palmer thought as a as an entrepreneurial sort of guy, he thought this might there might be a bit of mileage in this. So he suggested that it could be expanded out. Okay. So he set about rewriting and editing Shaver's manuscript, increasing the word count to thirty one thousand words, which is about the length of a novella. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Palmer went on to state that he kept the key points of Shaver's count, but had restructured the tale so it has an, an exciting plot. Mm. Um, the revamp story was published in March 1945 in Amazing Stories, and it created quite a buzz. Uh, they actually sold out. Over the next few, this is where it gets quite weird and interesting. Yeah. Over the next few years, Palmer went on to receive tens of thousands of readers letters claiming that they too had met the sinister denizens of the Hollow Earth. Mm. And then he wrote in from Paris, France. Where did they meet them? How did they appear? Can you find it that out? Well, this is a weird one. This. She gave a disturbing account of during the days of the German occupation of mm. Paris and France. Um, she was meeting a young chub, uh, and she mistakenly entered a sacred loft, which transported her to a deep sub-basement of an oh, apartment block. Uh, unfortunately, this took her straight into the clutches of the Daros. Oh, no. After months of indignity and various torments, the French one was rescued by a benevolent terror. Right. So she basically, yeah. that's the account that then was published. Yeah. Um, as the interest in Shaver's strange story grew, Shaver Mystery Clubs sprang up across America. Life magazine even ran, ran a story about it in 1951. And the monthly circulation of amazing stories rose from 135,000 to 185,000. In the years 100, sorry, 1945 to 1948, 75% of Amazing Stories issues featured stories from the Shaver Mythos. Wow. Um, however, not all of the magazine's readership were a big fan of Shaver. There's a hardcore science fiction fan who castigated the tales as the Shaver hoax. Hmm. And as they would, as we would say today in the 2020s, they wanted to cancel Shaver. Right. Hmm. Uh, there was an organised letter writing campaign to get the editor to stop publishing anything that Shaver related to Shaver. Uh, many of the haters pointed out that Shaver appeared to be exhibiting many of the symptoms of schizophrenia. Um, and the letters sent on by his fans also suggested some sort of mental illness. Right. Um, in 1948, Amazing Stories stopped publishing the Shaver stories. Palmer um, claimed that in later years, the sinister forces had pressured the editor to stop. 
and the owners said it was due to declining sales. As tests moved on and UFOs became the new big thing mm. and the lure of the Hollow Earth was forgotten. Mm. I'm looking to revive the Hollow Earth. It's still there, obviously. You still, know? The, yeah. the Hollow Earth never, never left. Like, but then there's theories that things underground are alien. You know, the yeah. aliens set up bases underground. Isn't that a theory? Yeah. I heard an interesting one because there was a guy on YouTube and I was... Example, like, there's a place in Wales that's like a hotbed of UFOs. Okay. So this guy was trying to investigate this place. Yeah. And they were trying to investigate this notion of, like, you know, like these dumbs, these deep underground military bases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a guy wrote on them and said, like, it's unlikely that you would have it in the UK because it's quite spawn densely popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in this area of Wales, there's lots of reservoirs. So could it be that things are temporarily been hidden in reservoirs. Mm. It was an interesting idea, like, you know. Um, the Shaver Mystery Clubs had more longevity. Callers were ringing in the radio shows in the 50s to dis- discuss their encounters with the Daros. For some years, Shaver brought out his own magazine, the Shaver Mystery Magazine, as an irregular publication. In the 60s, he moved on to hunting for physical evidence of the Daros. He claimed to find it in certain rocks, which he called rock books. It had been created by the ancients and engraved with legible pictures and texts. For years, he had a second career writing about the rock books, writing about them and doing photography. And he ran a mail-order rock book lending library. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he became into prominence as an outsider artist in later years, alongside works by artists such as Henry Dorger. Mm. He was a very, very strange character and possibly worth a weirdly enough podcast in his own right yeah um and he's influenced the culture in, in many ways there's a guy called harlan Harrison. he's a famous sci-fi author who wrote a book called the elevator people right and in this he said there's 500 buildings in the united states whose elevators go deeper than the basement yeah mm-hmm. and the unfortunate folk who descend in the subterranean depths emerge in a catatonic state after their treatment at the hands of the statistic troglodytes Mm. So yes, Shaver, an outsider artist. Very interesting, interesting yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And definitely worth exploring more about deep underground bunkers and things like that. Definitely, I definitely want to return to those. Well, thank you for that. We're going to be, uh, we're going to come straight back with uh, our story about uh, a few little coincidences to do with the Beatles. Don't touch that dial. Yeah, so we've been off, uh, weirdly enough, for a, a bit of time. I, I was unwell and uh, unfortunately weren't able to broadcast. But we're back again now. Uh, and just before I turned unwell, I'd had a little trip to Liverpool. Um, and I, had, I did all the touristy things that you do in Liverpool, which is all about the Beatles and, and going and seeing yeah. that. It's a great city to visit, very vibrant city. But my goodness, the English love their drink. They say the Irish drink. No. Seriously, they're on the floor at like three in the afternoon. What is wrong with you? But anyway, uh, yeah, we had a great time. Um, the first, uh, I'm saying here, it's the first time I've really spent time in Liverpool. I was really impressed. It's a vibrant and busy city and the, uh, people are very welcoming. You can't get away from Beatles stuff when you're Liverpool. Legacy of the Beatles are everywhere. Uh, you turn, uh, so thankfully I'm a wee bit of a fan of the Fab Four, so it's not a big thing for me, but I imagine if, 
if you don't like them. Yeah. Uh, and what must be really galling is if you're a, Liver- a Liverpudlian and you don't like them. I, but it'd be like a lover. Yeah. It'd be like a Scottisher that doesn't like football. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would imagine it's some imbibed with your, with your mother's milk. Well, I got in the taxi to go back to the airport, and the guy was like, mm, "Yeah, yeah, and the Beatles stuff." Yeah, yeah. He didn't really care. Was he a Scottisher though? Yeah, yeah. But uh-huh. he, he must love the Beatles. Yeah, we got on to talking about football. Was then. he the blue half of Liverpool or the red half? I'm not sure. I'm. Uh, I think he was blue. Yeah, or yeah. red, sorry. Yeah, red. Uh, so I stayed in a hotel called Hard Day's Night, which is literally round the corner from the world-famous Cavern Club. You don't even have to cross a road to get to the Cavern. Uh, um, I guess the Beatles would be the biggest group in the world of all time. As someone said to me, uh, we all know the names John Paul, George and Ringo years after they finished recording and it's probably safe to say that even in 100 years people still know those names. It's like yeah. Elvis. It's it's going to go down forever. They're, they're going to be famous. Uh, we did cover Paul is Dead uh, back in November. Uh, you can go to weirdlyenough.com to take a trip back to that episode. Of course, with something as famous and talked about as the Beatles, it's not hard to come up with weird and wonderful theories about every aspect of their lives. But I guess the main thing to remember is that these were four ordinary lads from working class backgrounds in post-war Northern England. Uh, One weird story I like is Eleanor Rigby. The song was released as a double A single along with Yellow Submarine in 1966. And it was part of the Revolver album. It spent four weeks uh, at the top of the UK singles charts. The song is a lament for the lonely in post-war Britain, telling the story of a church caretaker who died in a church and was buried along with her name. Now, John Lennon and Paul McCartney met in a church fete at St. Peter's Church in Walton in Liverpool in 1957. Just yards from that church hall is a graveyard, and three rows back from the road is a very special gravestone. Or rather, some people think it's special. It's the family grave of John Rigby. And about halfway down the grave, it's mentioned the name Eleanor Rigby in quite large letters. Eleanor died in October 39, just nine years before McCartney would pen the famous chart-topping uh, song. Uh, so is this where McCartney got the inspiration uh, for the name or is it just a wild coincidence? While it's tempting to think that Lennon and McCartney leaned on the graveyard wall reading the tombstones, it sounds uh, like it wasn't the case. Paul McCartney himself denies that there was any inspiration from reading the graves, and in fact, the existence of the grave only came to light in the 1980s, though it hasn't stopped deeds for the grave being listed on on, uh, on an auction, uh, listed for auction with a guide price of 4000 just the mm. deeds, just the paperwork for them. Um, McCartney told Donovan that the first name of the character in the song was to be Daisy Hawkins, but then he changed it to Eleanor after the famous actress who uh, starred in the film Help, called Eleanor Braun. Uh, Spencer Lee, author of the Beatles book Love Me Do uh, to Love Me Don't, said that at one stage the surname was going to be Bygraves, but then uh, McCartney changed it to Rigby after seeing a famous shop in Bristol called Rigby and Evans Limited. Paul said he just liked the name Eleanor Rigby, it sounded natural. It's possible, though, that the name filtered into Paul's brain uh, on a subconscious level. Uh, it's possible he read the name uh, and was, uh, it was stored away for later use. So, uh, yeah, I kind of think maybe it was subconscious because you're standing talking to your mate and you're reading 
names yeah. and you don't think about them, but yeah, maybe they go in there. The rather spooky thing is that Eleanor Rigby, much like the carrier, uh, the character was a scullery maid, so it fitted well. Whatever the reason, uh, the song always featured life in Liverpool and always uh, sums up what it was like growing up uh, in uh, this changing post-war world. Another character mentioned in this song is Father Mackenzie. It was originally going to be Father McCartney, but Paul worried that people would think that uh, this was the real father. Uh, this was his real father, so changed the name to Mackenzie. One account has McCartney thumbing through a telephone directory and coming up with the name at random, but another one is a Second World War veteran called Uncle Charlie Lennon, uh, a friend of Uncle Charlie Lennon called Tommy McKenzie. Oh. Tommy uh, also compare, compared the five shows that the band played at Northwich Memorial Hall in 62 to 63 so it's possible that this is where they got the name from now of course there's loads of strange stories about other aspects of the fab four these include the spooky connection john lennon has to the number nine he was born on the 9th of october lived at nine newcastle road was in the Beatles for nine years and of course was murdered on ninth avenue can i just interrupt yes please well, do Jimmer and we did Paul's dad yes Paul allegedly died on 9th of November. Right. 1966. Hmm. Just saying. Hmm. Also, Lennon apparently was visited by aliens. The first time uh, was in 1974, during uh, a time that uh, he had separated from Yoko Ono and was living with his new girlfriend, May Pang. Lennon was apparently compelled to look out of the apartment window where he saw a flying saucer hovering no more than 100 feet away. Pang and Lennon both took photos of the craft, but the photos showed nothing. Another time, according to Yuri Geller, happened in New York City when Lennon was visited by four small aliens who were waiting for him outside of his bedroom door. He was blocked uh, from chasing them away, apparently by mind control. Uh, Next thing... uh, Lennon woke up next to Yoko but holding a strange egg-shaped object which was believed to be a gift from the visitors. Interesting. He eventually gave the uh, object to Yuri Geller who started to show the object off following Lennon's death. So this Yuri Geller's got this egg-shaped alien object. Interesting. An artifact. Quite strange. Very interesting. So, you know, I'm sure we could go on for hours about strange things to do with the Beatles and coincidences and things like that but those are my favorite ones that i picked out anyway there's a thing about liverpool it's there's a lot of year footwork activity in liverpool it's notorious for time slips you've got the broad straight is that the straight mm. bold straight mm. that's it's like sort of a hotbed of like yeah uh-huh. the time slip the other thing there's a thing i want to do sometime maybe in weird line off um where apparently there was a panic in the fifties or the sixties right. over leprechauns, right? Um, and these these kids reported saying leprechauns, and then suddenly all these kids and the panic reports saying little green man, little leprechauns, yeah, uh-huh. and it became a whole thing around Liverpool. Right. Um, and people think what well, a kid about to being little aliens, oh, right. but because of the the Irish influence in Liverpool, um, it was they perceived them as little leprechauns, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, with a little green man. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff to do with Liverpool, like you know. Old Street's a crazy street. It's very, very busy and, and lots of like lots of restaurants and bars and things along it. Yeah. Uh, it's a good place to visit. Uh, but I would keep my hand in my wallet. Excuse you. Uh 
Yes. So, yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. What's it all about? Uh, rounding it off with an old one, but a good one. Nostradamus. Nostradamus. Nostr- very good. I can't wait to hear that. All those uh, yeah. crazy predictions. Uh, that will be our last uh, episode of Series 4 uh, when we record that. But fret not. Remember, you can go to weirdlyenough.com or wherever you get your podcasts to get our entire archive for free. So please do check that out. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Weirdly Enough. Remember to subscribe to get the latest edition as soon as it drops. And don't forget to leave a review. Email us about anything we've discussed or with your own weird tale at podcast at weirdlyenough.com.